0: right classroom come on in take a seat beside me my friend hey look here come ta charlie let's see what he got to say
1: burr. Burr. it's
2: cold here i didn't sign up for this but it's virtually burr chilly. yeah and it's 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 worship wednesday and morning, or you're, 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 if I can even talk, see, see, it's so cold, I can't even talk. You're watching The Road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic. Homeroom is on Rumble. You just go to Rumble and search the channels for The Road to Concord. It's one word. When you find it, you go ahead and you click follow. Might mean you got to set up an account, but it's fast, it's easy, it's free. I did it, you can do it. For those technologically challenged members of the class, you can also catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and X. Twitter, Twitter and, and YouTube. Well, today. Then, yes, today. Then you can catch podcast after the show. It's uploaded, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and eventually BitChute. Just look for The Road to Concord. You can go to the blog page. That's Road to Concord.com. That's where you find all your show notes, study notes, and handouts for the class. Finally, you can email a professor at Joe at the Road to Concord.com. Think his email might be back up again later today. Yeah, so he might he might actually start working on those and getting back to you.
0: I have an excuse this time. Yeah,
2: he always has. I mean, uh, if you find our classes helpful, please click the Close thumbs up, and like, subscribe, and share it with those you think could benefit from it. Just warn them, Joe is an acquired taste.
0: Am I in an acquired? Taste? Hey, we all know T. A. Charlie isn't all there now. Just stay seated and give it a chance. You soon realize we not might be the smartest, but we each independently <laughs> form opinions based on can't reason him. and logic. We're Free thinkers. Let's see what the road to Concord, with Professor Joe Bakunovic, has on the lesson plan for today. Apparently, he can't throw napkins; they don't go anywhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, you need to be careful because we we do have a heater over here that you know it could.
0: It's an open fire pit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a napkin? Try throwing a brick.
0: All I have over here is a cell phone and books. I can throw the Bible at them. <laughs> 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 Good morning, folks. Okay, for for those of you who are in northern climes, you, you don't understand what's going on in our world right now. I, I live in northwest Florida, and we've got temperatures in the 20s, and this place is just not used to that. And in the infrastructure is not made for that down here. So even some of the bulk of our audience in uh, the, the occupied territory of southern Georgia is suffering with even colder temperatures than we are. So y'all be safe out there because this this weather can be dangerous, especially down here where we're literally, man. If we get ice down here, there's nothing to salt the roads with. They close they close the world down if we get that type of problem here. Wind chill. What, what, what wind chill? <laughs> now, I have seen colder. I was raised in Sault Ste. Mary, Michigan area. So, yeah, this ain't nothing. <laughs> okay. Worship Wednesday. Yeah, it's global cooling. <laughs> Everybody, quick. Get a gas guzzling car. We got to raise the temperature.
2: Well, yeah, that's why they had to change to climate change.
0: So, I know. Anyhow, it's Worship Wednesday. And we, Charlie's going to be a big part of today's show here in just a little bit, because this is more in his wheelhouse than mine. But uh, what we're going to deal with today is you realize you're in mystery Babylon. Now what? So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, And I'm going to lean heavily on Charlie today, not because I'm trying to cop out, but because I know my limitations. And this is more of a sensitive subject, and I'm, I'm not the guy to do that. Charlie is. So I will bow out at times because I know that I'm not the right dude. He is, not me. We'll get to that. First things first, I'm going to bump you out of here, Charlie. I'll do my little bit and I'll bring you back in and we'll go from there. Mystery Babylon. What is it? If you go on the internet and you look up this subject, you're going to find an endless number of people who all have their own idea of what Mystery Babylon is. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I know for sure one way or the other what it is. I have a very strong idea, very firm opinion as to what it is and why I believe that. And I want to share that with you today. If you're a long-term member, you've heard this before. Today, I'm going to try and put it in a little bit more solid but still abbreviated format because identifying the harlot on the beast is not the subject of today's show per se but we're going to get there however i'm going to start here this is matthew five fourteen. you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden or at least shouldn't but it comes from this passage And remember, all my citations, unless otherwise stated, come from the NASB scripture, translation of the scriptures. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people or before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This has been commonly understood as a metaphor. Yahweh's kingdom, God's kingdom, his people, the body of Christ, these are all the same thing, is a city on a hill, the hill being the kingdom of Yahweh. We, this is New Jerusalem set on the, king, on the mountain of Yahweh, the hill of Yahweh. This is going to take you back to Nebuchadnezzar's dream. All of this stuff, all this imagery is connected to form an idea, spiritual idea. So we, the body of believers, are that shining city on that hill, the hill being the kingdom, you know, the mountain being the kingdom of Yahweh. And we are supposed to be the light to the world, to show the world the right way to go. We are a city. We are a city. In the biblical imagery, we're a city. So now let's go back to this harlot. Because, you know, there's a city on seven hills. The city on seven hills is that beast right there. It's just another way of just the beast in the city on the seven hills are the same thing. Rome, Joe. No, no. But that's not the object of today's story. Today's lesson is that harlot riding the beast. Okay. I want us to look at the passage that deals with her. Revelation chapter 17, starting in verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute, hold on to that word, who sits on many waters. Remember, in the prophetic language, waters means people. And if you keep reading chapter 17, the angel tells John that that's what it means. So sits on many waters, many people, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of sexual immorality. And those who live on the earth became drunk with the wine of her sexual immorality. Now, this is probably both physical and spiritual in nature. Okay, the sexual immorality is probably a double entendre, a double metaphor. Verse 3 says, and he, the angel, carried me away in the spirit, that means it's a vision, into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. I don't care about that this is the part I want us to watch, listen to, pay attention to. Verse four, the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet. Stop right there. Purple is the color of royalty, human royalty, kings. Scarlet is the color of, of sin and apostasy. That's in the prophetic language. And it continues, it says, and was adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. This is wealth holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her which has the seven heads and the 10 horns. Now, at this point, the angel continues mostly describing the beast. And he doesn't get to the woman again until the very end of chapter, what we call 17. And then it's just a line or two. And we'll get to that. But the woman's carrying a chalice. And the in the imagery that's in your scripture, that means the cup, you drink your cup. That, that basically means something that you have to deal with or live with, or something that you have to accept. You know, when Yeshua says, Jesus told this, the apostles, you can't drink of my cup, my fate, my mission, my destiny, uh, that which was given to me to do or whatever like that. She's holding a golden cup. So this is what she's gonna have to end up drinking down. And it's full of abominations, unclean things of her sexual immorality. Now, real quick, if we're not dealing with clean and unclean food anymore because the law has been done away with, why the heck is John talking in that language in the book of Revelation at the very end of time? Just an aside, just a quick rabbit. But now she's unclean things and sexual immorality. Okay, on her was written a mystery. It's not mystery Babylon. We call it mystery Babylon, but that is not what John calls her. She is the prostitute the harlot, the whore of Babylon. And what's written on her is Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And she says, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of saints, meaning that this woman, whatever it represents, the woman represents something that has killed the saints, killed the believers. And with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus, those who testify. So this is Old and New Testament. Okay. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? And he says, I'm going to explain this to you. Okay. I wanted to read that passage. Now let's go to this. This is just a quick aside rabbit. But now I told you it could be physical in the material world and spiritual. The lustful woman of Proverbs is today's normal Christian woman. And this unfortunately is true. Proverbs 7 verses 10 and 11. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and a subtle heart. She is loud and stubborn and her feet abide not in her house, meaning she runs around and fornicates. This is unfortunately not just today's Christian woman, but this is Western women period for the most part, or at least American women. But that's just a quick aside, that was a rabbit showing you that there is physical connotations to that to that vision that John had. But this, this is what the harlot really represents. Babylon, the harlot of false religion. Now, I did run into this quite often in, in getting this show put together for you. The problem is most people start identifying different religions and they excuse their own. When we might not should do that. Here's a slide I borrowed from another gentleman that was talking about this. He says, the Bible, book, uh, the, Bible the book of Revelations, mentions a symbolic harlot named Babylon the Great. See, so, you know, he, no, he understood. He read the passage correctly. He doesn't say mystery Babylon, but Babylon the Great. What does the harlot represent? Well, the, the uh, evidence points to it being a religious entity. He's correct. I agree with him. Ancient Babylon was an extremely religious religious city, and having over fifty temples dedicated to various deities. By the time Muhammad comes along, the Kabbalah, that black stone that he likes that the Muslims worship, the big stone, it had a three hundred and sixty uh, something deities in it, little totems. There were over three hundred and sixty gods in in that area of the world at that time. That's roughly in the general geographical area of the general you know the greater area of babylon but anyhow this meme here continues this is the babylonian believed in trinities of gods and immortal soul that at death would descend to a dark netherworld and there, human existence beyond the grave is at best only a dismal wretched reflection of life on earth and it says uh says funk and waggles of the new encyclopedia you know what the netherworld was in time, these teachings spread throughout the world. Today they are modified versions of them or can be found in in the religions of Christendom. And together, these religions make up a majority of part of the globe's religious entity, Babylon the Great. So whoever put this meme together, he and I are looking at this pretty much the same way. Now here's why I don't know about that person, but here's why I see it this way. We will start in Jeremiah. Chapter three, starting in verse one, the defiled land, and yes, folks, if the people living in the land are sinful, the physical land, the the land in which they live, the property, the the piece of the earth, becomes corrupt. Okay, it, it suffers as well. All of creation suffers when the people, the when its stewards, are rebellious. So this starts chapter three, verse one. Elohim says. If a husband divorces his wife and she leaves him and becomes another man's wife, will he return to her again? That's against the law right there, the law of Moses. You can't do that. So would the land not be completely defiled? Would not the land be defiled But if he did this? He says, but you are a prostitute with many lovers. Yahweh's talking to Israel. He says, yet you turn to me, declares Yahweh, Raise your eyes to the bare heights and see where have you not been violated? Yahweh saying, Raise your eyes to the to the high places, to the mountains where you've gone up to worship pagan gods. Where have you not been violated? This is a religious attack. He says, You have sat for them by the roads like an Arab in the desert, and you have defiled a land with your prostitution and your wickedness, your lawlessness. He's talking to Israel. And he says, you're a prostitute because you have worshipped other gods. Verse 3, therefore the showers have been withheld and there has been no spring rain. Yet you have a prostitute's forehead. You refuse to be ashamed. In other words, you have a prostitute's thinking, a prostitute's mind. You do what you want to do with other gods. Also, Jeremiah 3, verse 6, faithless Israel. Now, this is talking about the house of Israel, the northern kingdom. It says, then Yahweh said to me in the days of King Hosea, have you seen what faithless Israel did? She went up on every high hill and under every leafy tree, and she prostituted herself there, prayed to the Baals, other gods, the gods of the Canaanites. This links prostitutes, harlots with the idea of religious apostasy. Now, you have to understand something, folks. It's in the definition of apostasy. A pagan or a non-believer, somebody who has never believed in Yahweh, cannot be an apostate. An apostate is somebody who perverts the true religion or leaves it. That's an apostate. So what we're talking about is people who once enlightened left to another religion. That, Charlie, unless I'm wrong, that borderlines on sin against the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Would you think maybe? Uh, very possibly. close, Maybe. It's, we're in the ballpark, though. Well. But we do know we can return if we want to. Scripture says something about that, too. But anyhow, so what we're dealing with is prostitution is clearly linked. In the prophetic language, the harlot, prostitute, is linked to the idea of apostasy. And that has to come from people who were once believers. Now I want to jump to this real quick. It's in Revelation. This is Revelation 13. What's this got to do with the harlot, Joe? It's, it's the two-horned lamb that looks like a, dra- you know, looks like a, two horns like a lambton. So it looks like a lamb, speaks like a dragon. Hmm. Comes up out of the earth, right? In the prophetic language, that means this is man-made. Comes up out of man. What is Adam made out of? Earth. Adam. Okay, the two horned beast, this is in Greek, but if it was in Hebrew, I bet you it says comes up out of the Adam earth. Okay, that means it's a, in the prophetic language, this is a man made entity. So it's a beast, it's a man made kingdom of some sort. Looks like a lamb. It's got an idea of a lamb. This is the idea of Christ, the Messiah, but speaks like a dragon. The dragon is clearly Satan. So what we're dealing with here is a man made kingdom. That has the image of the Messiah, but does the work of Satan. Could be the false prophet. Could also be, it's whatever you want to identify it as. That's not the point today. This beast is connected to apostasy. This beast is parallel to the harlot. So, whether or not they are one and the same, I don't know. I don't care. That's not important. What's important is the imagery is linked to the harlot. They are parallel. See, I'm not the only one. I found this online the apo- uh, the apocalypse in space and time. It says Tan's second weapon, a corrupt religious power. Revelation thirteen verses eleven through eighteen. It Says then I saw another beast coming up out of the land and the out of the earth or the land, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. It's another beast. It's out of the land. Gives you the Hebrew there or the Greek rather. And it says. Corrupt religious authority, condemned by Jesus or Yeshua during the Holy Week, but includes false prophets that Jesus warned us about. This is little children in the last hour, meaning the 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 latter days. And it is the last hour, it's the latter days, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that this is the last hour. This is 1 John 2.18. So anything that speaks against what, the true religion, the true faith, the, the way what Yeshua taught us to do—that's going to be connected to apostasy and corruption within the church. That's what this two-horned beast is connected to. This is a this is not new; it's common to ev- to a lot of areas within the faith, especially going back in time. Now, here's where I'm going to bring you full circle. I started with the city on the hill, correct? Revelation 17:18. The woman you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Well, that's Rome, Joe. No, it is not. What? It's not. Isaiah one twenty one, Zion corrupted. It will be redeemed, but it's corrupted. How the faithful city has become a prostitute. She who was full of justice, righteousness, once dwelt in her, but now murderers. Remember, the believers are supposed to be a shining city on the hill, but we turn apostate and we become the woman who was once a great city. And we ride on the beast. This is church and state. And that's why she's wearing purple and red. Scarlet for her sin of apostasy, purple for marrying herself to the kings of the world. Now, if you do not understand that you've been in the millennial reign since the Ascension, this won't make a whole lot of sense to you. You'll think I'm wrong. I understand that. But I believe you've been in the millennial reign since the Ascension, which means that believers have ruled over cities and nations, just like it was prophesied. And it is that possible, you know, Paul tells you to be careful with how you deal with people because you might inadvertently be dealing with an angel. Well, If you're judging and you are ruling over cities and you're angels masquerading as humans amongst us, you have judged angels. Zechariah is a prophet that can only be understood if you assume you're already in the millennial reign. Otherwise, Zechariah should be thrown out of the scriptures because that makes him a false prophet because his prophecies would go counter to John's vision of the millennial reign in the book of revelation. They contradict, There's not a, that there's no, um, paradox between the two, there are direct contradictions. So this is something we've dealt with in the past. I don't want to go into it in great detail, but you can find some of it. If you want, if you, if, if you are interested in this and you're new to this class, you can go back to your homework. And this is from uh, October 3rd of last year, the prophetic language. And all of the symbol, uh, symbolic relations and, and symbols of spiritual and scriptural and everything, uh, symbols, the prophetic language, you'll find it here in the different charts that I, I put for you in this homework assignment right there. You'll find it in the different symbols and charts and everything. And I made it so you could download it here, right here. You can download that if you want. And then there are other books about the biblical imagery and everything that'll help you learn the prophetic language. So you can go do, go back and do that. The point that we wanted today, <clears throat> Mystery Babylon, it's apostasy. And the church is apostate. And the church itself has turned apostate. Excuse me a minute. Sorry about that. So this is mystery Babylon. Now the this is where we're getting into the crux of today's show. And this is where I'm just going to put Mr. Charles on here. Charles. <laughs> Charles in charge, right? <laughs> Mr. Charles is going to be in charge today. Yeah, hey man, come on. You know me. I love pop culture references. It's a TV thing, man. So anyhow, Charlie did it. Um, at this point, if you're going to accept that, you know, If you like the way we we do this and how we understand it, if if you're going to agree with that, if you accept it, or even if you just want to entertain it in your mind, once you find yourself realizing that, okay, I'm stuck in mystery Babylon, then what, Charlie? Because I mean, for me, it was just a case of, I just followed the bouncing rabbit, you know, the bouncing ball or whatever, the white rabbit, which for me is the Holy Spirit. And it just naturally led me and those who were studying with me into the congregation where we're at now. There was nothing intentional there. I just followed the scriptures and it led me out of the church I was in because I knew that they were not teaching according to the Bible. So, but if we have other believers who are just now coming to the realization that their church isn't necessarily teaching what the scriptures teach, this is your ballpark, brother, because I mean, you've dealt with this more. You're more sensitive to this. What do we do? How, how do we guide people? What, what advice do we have? Right. And,
2: and in general, you're going to find that this is uh, not a light switch, but it's, it's a journey. You know, you don't just turn it on and, yeah, it's a walk. Uh, because, you know, in, in my case, you know, I, I started <clears throat> finding things that uh, didn't line up with the doctrines of my former faith. And these were contradictions. They were not, you know, like you say it not, wasn't uh, paradoxes or anything else like that. Um, <clears throat> so, and as I as I started seeing these things and investigating them, and and you know, I I started talking about them and trying to get other people's perspectives, make sure that what I was understanding was correct. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's interesting the response you get from, from those that are, that are, um, that riveted to their traditions. Yeah. Um, because m- many of us get comfortable in our traditions and, you know, our beliefs and stuff. And, we don't really pay that much attention to them i, I believe but when you start actually working at it in in evaluating and examining these things yeah use using that book right there <laughs> you start opening that and you start understanding that um it, it it shakes you and and it's it's not an easy process it's it's a <laughs> It it can be very painful. I mean, in my case, it was.
0: What was the first thing you, you, when you started realizing that the church you were in was not teaching scripture, what was the very first thing that you realized you came up against that you realized you were going to have to deal with? For me, what started it was the laws about the dietary laws were still in place. (laughs) That was the first thing that caught me was realizing that I'm still, Peter after the ascension, a couple of years later, and he has his sheep vision. Peter's still eating clean. right? My logical sense to me says, well, if he was allowed to eat whatever he wanted, he wouldn't be doing that anymore. Right. But he's aghast that the Lord's telling him to do this because he sees it as a conflict of what he's been taught his whole life, even by the Messiah. So I knew, okay, the dietary laws are still in place. What was the first thing that you ran into? The
2: main thing that that really got me... Um how do I say this nicely? Uh, got me very angry i'll I'll just say it that way was when I discovered that the name of the God that we worship had been hidden from us. and when I found that out, I'm like, oh my gosh in in coming from the religion I was. We, we had different names for these deities that didn't line up after you understood what the true creator's name was. And it's like, well, okay, there's a problem here.
0: Changing the names.
2: Yes. And that, that really set me on a path to say, okay, if this has been hidden from us, what else is there out there that I don't understand? And that's what drove me to a study of Hebrew. Because I'm like, okay if it's still in the Hebrew and it's there throughout, you know, 8,000 or, or wait. No, yeah, okay. How many times? I, I gotta, gotta seven remember. to 8,000 times yes, it's mentioned. 7,000. Somewhere between seven yeah, and eight. I, yeah. to, I, I don't, I used to have that number right in my head, but, but it's a lot. Yes. <laughs> many thousands. In fact, it, it, it is the most mentioned name throughout the entire Tanakh. Yes. And when I found that out, Oh man, and that's why I started studying Hebrew because I'm like, okay, I want to know what else is being hidden from me in the in this Bible that I've you know been studying for you know many years in the English. I want to know what it really says.
0: Okay, so folks, for us, when you're starting to realize, okay, my whole life I've been in a religion that's not teaching the Bible the way the Bible teaches itself. For me, the dietary laws for. For Charlie, it's realizing the name. For me, you you went into studying Hebrew from the point where I realized the dietary laws are still in place. I'm like, okay, well, then that means the law is still in place somehow or another. And not just the law of Moses, but Torah altogether. Right. And this is where I started having to study Hebrew a little bit to the best of my ability. You're trying to actually learn to read it. I've been led to just find people who can help me understand the concepts and the words. Sure. And that's where I found out what Torah means. Torah, it, it, the teachings, the the that's the way. Torah is the way. The way I'm supposed right. to walk. It's a walk. It's, it, it's a destination you're walking to, and you get closer and closer to it as you keep walking every day. So this is where I found out, okay, Torah is still in play. And that passage we read about we're being a city on the hill with Matthew 5. As soon as verses, those two verses are over, you know what the very next one is. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law <laughs> right. or the prophets, right. uh, but to fulfill them. And this is when I realized we have misunderstood a great many of the passages in our Bible because we had clung to the traditions of men. right? And because we let other people do our work and preach to us, we thought we didn't have to read the Bible. Okay. You have to read the scriptures for yourself. So this is when I started studying the scriptures. And I start I quickly came up against the realization that I couldn't stay in that church anymore how long did it take you to come up to that I mean for me it was a, a year or two after I started teaching I realized I'm not gonna be here long
2: yeah it, it, it was less than two years before you know I you know I, I tried to for a time reconcile things and and you know and and that kind of thing but then it, it got to the point where it's like you no know, uh, my beliefs are so far different that there's no way of reconciling this. And, and no one wanted to hear what I had to say either. You know, so, and and especially when it was, and I think I told this once before in one of our other shows that one, one of the very impactful times was when I was sitting in, in Sunday school and they were discussing, discussing the, you know crucifixion death and resurrection of yeshua and they were saying that you know some you know mormon prophet you know uh you know major leader of the church says well yeshua was in the grave some 36 to 38 hours and i just raised my little hand and i read out of the scriptures saying you know The wicked and adulterous generation will seek after a sign. And the only sign you're going to get is a sign of Yonah, who is three days days and and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how do you get there from here? And they say, well, this guy says this. And I'm like, "Uh, hold on a second.
0: That answer has been in scripture the whole time. And I'm we like, did that show. I
2: just read scripture, canonized scripture that you
1: mm-hmm.
2: acknowledge as canon scripture. And now you're going to go with some guy's interpretation. Mm-hmm. I mean, three days and three nights is pretty specific. <laughs> you know, people have argued, well, three days. and, But when you say it three days and three nights, it, it there ain't no getting around. After. No,
0: that's the Hebrew definition of a 24 yes. hour period.
2: Yes. So it's like, mm, OK, you know, this is. You know, it, it's over. If, you, if you're not going to recognize your own canon of scripture, we're done.
0: Yes. And we did a show, folks, where we proved that the pro- the scriptures tell you it was three full days and nights. Yes. We did that show on, on Passover. And, man, that was a slam dunk, oh, oh, man. nothing yeah, but was, the Bible. Yeah. The timeline's there if you swallow it whole. But you have to understand Torah to see it. You do. If you, you don't do. understand Torah, you won't see it. So... Right. You ran into that you're talking about teachers. this is something oh, I ran into man um, screen froze we'll give it a second to see if it unfri- oh, yeah, there it is the internet's hanging we're over the target again <laughs> yep <laughs> uh, I should have known we were over the target yesterday when it froze it, it, and folks it's not just a matter of okay got, you got Joe you got bad internet we may but notice when it freezes yeah. notice what we're talking about when it happens it could have froze anytime notice when it freezes that's not a coincidence it ha- the pattern is just too established so get back to teachers if you've realized that your church is not teaching the bible you're going to have problem with your pastors and your and your your ministers or whatever they they they've been seminary school trained and like just like us we've been gone through school and we were told the founding fathers were deists so we want to believe that cuz otherwise our teachers lied to us and we've believed lies and it'll make us upset and whatever where's my world what else is a lie well, the the preachers are seminary school, so they're going to be just like that. They're human. The first thing I ran into, I I, I go to what my pastor at the time in the church I was with, and I said, "Hey, the oh, we froze again."
1: <laughs> yeah. I said, "Hey, the yeah, Sabbath yeah, never."
0: The oh, way, I know why it's freezing because yeah. it doesn't it's want up. Satan doesn't want me to go where I'm about to go. So I go to my pastor and I said, "The Sabbath was never moved." I said, "It's a seal. It it, it shows me that I still belong to Him. I'm still obedient. I still I'm His people." And the pastor says, "Yeah, I know." And I said, "Well, if you know that, why are you not teaching the people this?" I would lose my ministry, and what he meant was, I'd lose my money.
2: Right, and, and, and wow. And unfortunately, I found. That, uh,
0: and what did cut oh, makes me so angry? Because up. I found
2: the same thing as I came out of of uh, Mormonism, and mm-hmm. I went into what I would term the Hebrew roots movement. And there were several teachers that I was following. And I thought, you know, these guys have got it down. You know, they, you know, they're acknowledging Torah and, and, you know, they know the name closer. They don't have have it now. You know, and, and I thought, okay, these guys have got it. You know, I can listen to them. I can trust them. You know, I can. And unfortunately I was let down yet again. Yep. As I dug into their teachings, because I had some people that, you know, said, hey, you know, check this out, you know, and I went and I checked it out and I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and and I, the evidence that was presented to me, at least with this one teacher, was so compelling that I I'm pretty sure that what he was doing was intentional because it was not stuff that you would you know just accidentally you know teach the wrong thing because mm-hmm. you had been taught the wrong thing and things like these were intentional misdirections or misinformation
0: see and we were told many that, wolves ravenous wolves will sneak into the body that to tear really
2: off. oh that that jaded me really seriously mm-hmm. and I- then i got this other cornhead that that started teaching me. And I'm like, Oh no, this guy, he is nuts. And you know, I'm like, okay, I'm not doing the same thing that I did with these other guys. I'm going to check this guy out and everything he says, I'm going to go behind him and I'm going to check it for myself.
0: How am I doing so far? You. you
2: I mean, we have some disagreements on some certain areas. I mean, we see things differently, but it it's different because we have reasons for our differences and we can open the scriptures and say, well, I see it this way Yep. because this scripture says this.
0: Yeah, but you and I are sitting in the same section. And then you,
2: you can, well, I see it this way because, <laughs> okay, yeah, well, that makes sense too. So... The answer is we don't know, you know, perhaps or or whatever, or, and, um, and so, and that's why, as I've come through this, one of the major things that, that, um, has been become very important to me is unity of the body. And the reason I say that is one of the key things is, all these things we're talking about, these problems with teachers and, and, you know, the, you know, trying to discover what the real truth is and things like that. Too many times we, we hold on to some of these beliefs or, or ideas or concepts that we have, and we're not willing to open our minds to alternate opinions or, or other ways of looking at it and it causes division. And that is something that we should not have. Yes. We're not teachable. The scriptures are very clear about that.
0: Scripture says we're supposed to be humble and teachable.
2: For instance, um, you know, we, we, we had a, a Shabbat school lesson just recently that, that you did talking about the Trinity, you know, and the answer to that is, don't know. It could be, This way, you know, three distinct individual beings, or it could be uh, kind of like you were talking about some type of modalism, which some people think, oh, that's, that's a heresy or whatever, or.
0: Well, we're going to teach, we're going to have to discuss that on a specific day. But the,
2: the point is, is it can be seen and backed up by scripture several different ways, which way is right. We don't know. You know, and so we've got to give grace to one another when you know when there's not when there when there's a topic. First of all, it's not salvific; it it doesn't really affect your salvation. It's just an understanding of a of a concept or a doctrine, perhaps.
0: Well, you're you're but, you're swaying. I'm going to interrupt you just a minute, sure. Charlie. I apologize, but you're swaying into an area I want to get at. But I want to hit on something real quick, and then I want to go right where you're heading already. Okay. You remember I was telling you our teachers are going to cling to what they've been taught. What did Caiaphas tell us? He, he, in the scriptures, he says, hey, if we let this guy, Yeshua, keep going, we're going to lose everything. Yeah. Well, what did my minister say? My pastor said, <laughs> right. I'm going to lose my. Okay, right. so that's, and Yeshua condemned them for this. Well, once you realize that you're in a church that's not teaching scripture, Jesus, Yeshua says, you know, you got to weigh the cost, right? you got to count the cost before you decide to follow me. Right. If you count the cost and you decide to follow him, we're going to go smack into the, we're going to start dividing family. Which is right where you were heading, Charlie, or whether you realized it or not, you're right into, here's the number one thing that I definitely want Charlie in on this discussion for, because he's better at this than me. Me, I just know what way's right to go. I'll go. My family doesn't like it. Oh, well, you know, lost him. That's just my brokenness. Charlie knows how to deal with, with, with the, he's got more of a heart for people than I do. So you've had to deal with this. How do you. How do we what advice do you have for us once we realize hey man we're stuck in a church and you're trying to get your family to see this? I know that you're realizing you can't go heavy handed on this it won't work. No 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 you can't. I'll let you have this now and I'll I'll sit and listen cuz this is you're still fighting this.
2: This is difficult. I mean I I praise Yahweh every day that I was fortunate that my wife came out with me. Now, she had a period of time, you know, probably a good two years. She didn't want nothing to do with any kind of religion. Or, you know, she was just, I'm done with this. You know, and eventually she, you know, came around and, and you know, she attends worship with us. And, you know, we we read scriptures daily and, and such. Um, so that's wonderful. Now, it don't always happen that way. In fact, it. I believe we the exception rather than the rule, and I've got other family members that, you know, don't want to follow this way or <clears throat> or are questioning where they're at and things like that. And it's difficult because you know one of the problems with with religion, it's same thing with like politics. You know, it's, it's what are the three things or. Two, two or three things. Well, I guess you could call it three things that you don't discuss at Thanksgiving. You know, you don't discuss politics, religion, or sports, <laughs> <You know? laughs> because all of those people get very, very uh, uh, emotional about and very defensive about their their positions or or their their choices there. Um, so you have to be careful with this, um, in that. You know, you, you you have to meet people where they're at. Um, I think Paul is a good example of that in the scriptures. If you if you understand his writings very well, you can see where he he would adjust how he spoke to different uh, congregations and stuff based on where they were at in their faith and what what things he needed to deal with in their uh, congregations. So. It can be difficult, um, but that doesn't mean that we don't try, you know. And, you know, some of the things you do is you just share what your beliefs are. Um, your witness. And get get to understand where they're at. That That's an important part is finding out where that particular person is in their, their search. You know, some people might not be searching at all.
0: You yeah, know, we do need some to. Some
2: people, it, it, some people, you know, don't waste your time. I, I mean, I, I hate to say it this way, but it's true. Don't waste your time with people that aren't searching and aren't. Yeah, aren't don't
0: cast really your pearls before searching
2: out Yahweh. I mean, sure, you can tell them, hey, you know, be a good idea if you, you know, checked out this Yahweh God and you know, uh, started following him. But you know, that might be the end of that conversation. Um, but someone that's truly seeking, you need to find out where they're at and what what things would help them at that point. You know, what questions do they have? What what are they questioning in their faith, you know, and take them from there?
0: Okay, um, This is going to be a slightly modified day, folks. What I'm going to ask Charlie to do, we're going to go to our break. When we come back, he and I are going to discuss some actual practical application that we can help we can suggest to you to help you coming out of Babylon and also help you guide others that you care about. There are some things here that if you're serious about this, you need to pay attention to. And there's some things that we're going to give you some advice on. And this won't be a full two-hour show today, I don't think. It, it might. But if we'll when we get done with it, when we're done talking and we've reached the area where we're done, we're done. Um, we'll see how it goes. But let me have a quick chat with him real quick because he got thrown in on this on the fly, but he had a little warning today, but um, I got a few other thoughts I want to discuss with him and then we'll come back in about six minutes and we'll continue with this with a little bit more pointed application, practical application for how to help with this. So we'll see you in six. Be back again. Had a little teddy teddy tat here, and real quick, um, we'll get Charlie to join in in a minute. But one of the first things I want to make sure you all understand it's I think it's Joshua choose this day who you will serve. Your decision to follow the Messiah, the Father, and the Son is a choice. You're called, you have to say yes, you have to make a choice. This is what Yeshua is saying measure the cost before you decide to follow Him. You know, it, the, the guy says, hey, you know, let me go bury my parents. And he says, let the dead bury the dead. You know, if you're going to wait, you're not worthy of the kingdom. What Jesus is really saying there is, you know, if, you, if you're waiting until your parents die before you're going to follow me, you're not worthy. And when he says, let the dead bury the dead, he means the spiritual dead. Let, let those who don't care about the kingdom do, do what they're going to do. So the day you choose, if you're going to choose to follow the father and the son, it's their way. That's why they call it the way, it's their way. There's now a duty on you. And like Charlie and I were discussing real quick, one of the first things you're gonna run into, and like Julie Larson's already pointed out on Facebook, men, this lays on your shoulders the strongest. If if you've got a family, you're the head of that family. You are the Christ's representative in your household, which means you have a responsibility to know your scriptures for yourself so that you can defend your faith you can teach your family and others so you can explain it and you need to understand that teaching it from the rooftops means knee to knee one-on-one not yelling it and screaming it don't don't dishonor yahweh in the process of teaching the scriptures have you ever seen a believer do that in their zeal in their in their love for the for the father and son charlie oh yeah and we can bring dishonor to him in the process. Be careful with how you do that, folks. Be gentle. Um, you've got a classmate who told me just yesterday that, and I'm ashamed that this, not of myself, but I'm ashamed of the body that this classmate, he's older, he's about my age, raised in church for a long time. Says uh, We're the first group, you know, first place he's found that explains the scripture in a way that his mind can accept why did it take so long for the body to find a teacher that put it in an easier way, you know, in a, in a clear, understandable way. Why? But then that's going to come to the part also that, um, I was discussing with Charlie and this is where I'll hand off to him for a little bit and let him talk on this one. Cause he deals with this more than me. It, it hits home for him more than it does me. You're going to have to accept a very, you're going to have to accept the scriptures. There's a cost. Yeshua tells you there's a price you have to understand that there will be few who are actually going to find their way into the kingdom. Yeshua said that, didn't he not? He says there'll be few. You're not responsible for saving them. You're responsible for finding a way to wrap your own head and mind and heart around the fact that you can't save them and you shouldn't try. Preach the word, encourage, teach, explain, but if they don't except that's not on you. You've got to find that mindset that lets you let them turn them over to God and let them go. And I'll let Charlie handle for a little while here, because I know this is something that he struggles with on his own. Uh, I do too, but he's not broken. I am.
2: It's, it's hard. Um, because I mean, (laughs) when you look at it from the eternal perspective, uh, this is truly life or death, and I mean eternal life or eternal death. Um, so the stakes are high, and I get that. And, you know, especially when it's, you know, family members or someone that's, you know, very close to you, um, This that's hard, you know. But the, the fact of the matter is, just as, as you began when you're talking, it's their choice. And I've I've talked about this one in one other show, you know, the greatest gift we've been given by by Yahweh is our ability to choose for ourselves. And what we do with that, that's our responsibility. We have complete control over that. That's the only thing we have complete control over. And if we choose not to follow him, then that's a choice that we've made. And unfortunately, we can make our choices, but we can't choose our consequences. Um, And that's just that's just a fact of this whole existence that uh, we're talking about. So that that can be difficult. Um, But but I want to I want to talk about one other thing that you mentioned here, and, and that's can we trust the Bible? You know, if you, if you're not grounded by something, something outside of yourself, outside of humanity, you're, you're just a a ship tossed by the wind. You've got to have that anchor that you know is there, that is, you know, is going to be there even in a storm. Uh, that can hold you too. Because this life's difficult and it's going to throw you curveballs. But can we trust the Bible? Well, you know, just just looking at it, you know, how they say you can look at nature, you know, and, and I've done this, you know, just take a leaf and examine it. And if you carefully examine a leaf, especially if you have like a microscope or something like that, that you can really... Really look deep into it. If you really do that sincerely, you're you're going to have no doubt that there is a creator. The lungs of the planet. That, 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 yes, I mean you know, it it speaks that just be just because of its existence. Can the same thing be said of the Bible? I believe it can, because up until at least recently, and maybe it still is. I hope it still is best-selling book of all time is the Bible
1: not
0: course, anymore.
2: that doesn't mean anything not anymore because popularity doesn't necessarily mean it's right but through my research and study and understanding of how the, the Bible has come to us and how it's been preserved over time that's the miraculous part of the Bible in my opinion that it has been faithfully preserved. And now, sure, there are some issues here and there with manuscripts and translations and things, but overall, those are minor issues if you look at it as a whole. And the other thing that uh, helps me to think, oh, this might be actually a real, real thing, is it tells the good, the bad, and the ugly. It doesn't... It doesn't cause you to see the world through, uh, you know, the
0: a false uh, paradigm a false, or false, yeah, prism. Yeah, it, it shows you everything. And it constantly tells us, remember, yes, it records the history and tells us, remember.
2: And so it gives you everything. And as I've come to understand it a little bit better over the past few years, um, I like the way you talk about it. Is is uh, the Bible is a wisdom book? If you look at it from that perspective,
0: it's always wisdom book.
2: Yes, and if you look at it from that perspective, and you look at not necessarily the verses and the chapters, but if you look at it as a whole and you put it together, and you look at the concepts and precepts that are presented to you, then. If you narrow those down to their basic, basic premises, you can apply those to any situation. I mean, you can, you know, apply it to any of the modern stuff that we have today. Oh, well, they didn't have, you know, airplanes back then. Well, you know, you can apply those things and still see how they fit.
0: Real quick, a way the, the Bible, and I know that you've seen this happen, people misuse it. It says, you know, the wise man inclines to the right and the fool, you know, inclines to the left. everybody's like so so see right hand conservatives are the wise and whatever this is an abuse of what the scripture's telling you remember when in the parable where yeshua tells us learn to judge so that when you judge you judge rightly what the bible is telling you what's really going on there is the wise man when you come to a fork in the road and you have to make a choice the wise man chooses righteousness so he goes to the right because you're right-handed. There's a fork in the road. It's just a figure of speech, folks. He takes the right path, the fool takes the left. You know, you go the other way. This is it's just another way what Jesus is telling you. It's it, what it tells you if you're wise, you choose the righteous path. And this is what the word was given to you for. So you know which path to walk. Well, you have to this is what Jesus is telling us. You have to learn the principles that are in the wisdom book here because he's not going to be able to give you every possible example you're going to run into, which is what the rabbis try to do, nail you down in the Talmud for everything right. you can have. That's control. They're trying to be God. Teach it so that you apply it. And in when you apply his wisdom, you glorify the father because he can sit back and say, okay, well, you missed that or you did that right. He sees that you're trying to live according to the teachings that he raised you up by. It's like any father or parent. When you see your children living out the the lessons you tried to teach them, it makes you feel proud right? because you see that, okay, I did a good job. They did a good job. It succeeded. That's how we glorify the father by showing the rest of the world through our actions that we chose wisely, letting his wisdom be ours. That's one of the things we have to do. And I don't know. So if we've got somebody, Charlie, who is wanting to come out of this, what do we suggest to them? I mean, for me, I'd be like, you might want to think about finding a messianic or a Torah observant group in your area or online and at least visit them.
2: Sure, sure. I, I would encourage that.
0: Be prepared. They're going to be very different from what you're used to. If you're coming out of the visible church, they're going to be very different from what you're used to.
2: Yeah, yeah. I remember when I prepared my wife for going to the congregation, i like, this is going to be totally different from anything you've experienced in your life. But, uh, you know,
0: it quickly I, I, will, it, ad- if your heart experience. is after Yahweh and his word and his people, you'll quickly adapt to what they're doing. Yes. Cause there's for the group we're with, there's a lot more fellowship than what I true fellowship than what I ever experienced in my, in my Catholic or Baptist churches that I've attended in my life. There's true fellowship in our congregation. Yes. um when somebody tells you they're praying for you they're praying for you When somebody says yes. they'll help you they come help the i i for the first time in my life when i got into the congregation i'm in now i now know what the body is i learned it for the first time um so maybe look for a, a torah observant group or a messianic group what else would we do uh, look for decent teachers but be very careful with them
2: yes that that's Unfortunately, that has to be the biggest caution out there. Is
0: caution, but not cynicism. You, you, you
2: have to, you have to go behind your teachers and test them, mm-hmm. and open the scriptures and verify what they're telling you is correct. And that and that takes time, and that takes effort, and it can be difficult because some, you know,
0: there's going to be no substitute for learning your Bible.
2: Yes, and it, none. Oh, how do I explain this? Um you you've got to use your own reason and intellect as you do this. Because that that's one of the values I find in this show that that really helped me a lot is understanding how to apply logic and how to identify fallacies and things like that because those tools can help you to understand in Rightly divide the word of God is what you know they they use in the in the scriptures to understand what they're really trying to tell you, and the prophetic language is. I mean, I'm still trying to learn that. And
0: exactly. there are a lot of folks but, who say it doesn't boy, exist, but once you start diving into it, it's if, there.
2: If and that's another beauty of the Bible is as you study the Bible, and you know, in even even in in the traditional church you'll have people say this but it is very true as you go through the bible you'll continue learning from the bible as your faith grows because the bible the way it's written is it's it's written kind of like the parables of yeshua are a great example you know i thought that like the parable of the 10 virgins had like Two different meanings. Keep going. (laughs) Keep going. As you understand more and you start linking things together and you have a greater understanding, you find out there's more to it. But it's it's beautiful in that depending on where you're at in your faith, you know
0: it'll feed you wherever you're at
2: at the point that you're at. Mm -hmm. If you're just a, you know, oh, people don't like these terms, but we're going to use them anyway. If you're a milk drinker.
0: They're biblical. Okay,
2: They're there. Mm-hmm. If if you're gnawing on, you know, soft toast, it's there. If you've got all the way to where you're, you know, chawing down them bones and grinding them up and eating them, it's there.
0: Kind of like archaeology. The more yeah. you dig, the more you find. Right. So which is exactly what the Bible tells us will happen.
2: And that's okay. And that's something, and um, even the scriptures teach this. Let's see, where is it? Yes, Isaiah uh, 28, 13. Uh, It says the word of Yahweh will be to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared, and taken. So you know, there's a little bit, you know, and and sometimes we do fall back. But that's where we gotta brush ourselves off and and go back in there and and uh, get going again. Because uh, this the path. If if you are on the correct path, it is not one of those well marked trails that you go on when you go hiking. It's got. Briar bushes and trees and roots and rocks and, and cliffs. And if, uh,
0: if you've never been it, in the desert and seen a goat path, it might only be about that wide Yeah, and be rocks on both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll windy and lots of cutbacks. It's not smooth to go up a hill and down the hill. Yes.
2: Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's not easy.
0: Yes. So the, the first thing we're going to suggest to you is if you've realized you're in mystery Babylon, good that's the holy spirit calling. remember the scripture yahweh says come out of her my people get out of her so that you he doesn't say you'll be lost i don't know if you will or not but he says so you don't share in her punishment okay so you you get out of that but now when when you realize you got to come out of that that's going to tell you you're going to be like okay well what's right what's wrong you've only got one rule book boys and girls and you won't find, there's certain things in that rule book you're not going to find. You will never find that rule book say that Yahweh's law has been done away. You will never find in that rule book where it says the Sabbath has been done away. You will never find in the rule book where it says the, the dietary laws have been gone away. Now, you also have to be careful because the rule book says that there's, you know, the sun covered that. So if you stray, as long as you get back on the path and you return, he's covered that. He, he hasn't made up the difference you couldn't do. He covered it all you know, once and for all. But now if you're going to willingly to keep just doing it, because you're like, oh, the son's got it covered. I'll live law- lawlessly. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to be smack in the middle of Matthew 7, 20 through 23. Be gone from you. I never knew you because you practiced sin, lawlessness. And he says, I never knew you. He tells us all the time that you belong to him if you're trying to keep the father's commandments, his teachings. So now if you've realized, okay, I'm in mystery Babylon, I got to get out of that. The only way to go is back on the path, the narrow path. And the only way to know that is to read your scriptures. Excuse me. So you're going to have to read your Bible. You don't have a choice. You have to. Um, and you're it, when you run into the things that you don't understand, that's where you're going to need to seek help. But you're also going to have to pray, and you're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you and look for other passages. This is why I, yesterday when we were teaching how to study, read the cross references in your Bible. Because a lot of times one passage will talk to you that'll help enlighten another. Now, Charlie's been around when we're we're in Sabbath study and all of a sudden somebody brings something up and it sets off a scripture storm in my head and I just start reciting the scriptures that are all connected. You've seen me do that, Charlie. And when you take them all into account, they'll help support each other. Like the harlot is connected to the city on seven hills and the two horn beast. Everybody be like, Joe, you're crazy. Once you understand that there's Hebrew parallelism going on there, they are all images of the same thing. It's an it, apostate church. It's Satan's kingdom. And trust me, Satan's kingdom is the harlot. The harlot is married to, to the beasts. And it's because he turned the church against Yahweh. He turned it into the image of Antichrist. Everything that Yahweh says do, we do the opposite. Everything he says don't do, we do it. it, it the scriptures say that, like the Sabbath, The Sabbath is Yahweh's Sabbath. And he says, for how long, Charlie?
2: Uh, Ha'olam, forever.
0: Yes. So if you belong to him, it's the Sabbath forever. He never said he'd move it. And he says these are his feasts. Where do we think, oh, those are just for the Jews. Yahweh said they're his. If you're worshiping Yahweh, the Sabbath and the feasts still apply to you. So why would you want to dismiss them and replace them? Especially when we're told that the spirit who is to come, you know, the Prince who is to come is going to try and change the law and the, in the times, the Moedon. So you're going to have to find, you got to get in the scriptures. And then, you know what, Charlie, I like it better this way. Don't go looking for a teacher. Look for a study partner.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That would be good.
0: There we go. And I kind of like that idea here. We're, we're, I know we put ourselves as a professor and teachers and everything, but that's just a joke, folks. We're study partners. That's what we are. Because you guys teach us too. Oh, oh trust yeah. us.
2: Oh, yeah. Clay helped us out a bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there was one question. question.
0: What? And boy, did we get we got a lot of fruit out of that question, brother. Yeah. We ran with that one for weeks. And yes. And if you're male, stand up don't expect the women in your life to do the job that Yahweh gave to you to do. This is not machoism. This is not a patriarchy type thing. This is stand up and do the job that Yahweh gave you to do. If there is a male in your, you know, your world ladies, and he's a believer and he's not standing up, kick him in the butt, tell him to stand up and do his job. Cause that passage I think it's in Isaiah where, you know, it says that they're going to be led by women and little children. That's a slap at the men. Okay. And it's talking about man children. It's not talking about adolescents and kids, not in the Hebrew language in there. It's just, just like in Jeremiah where it says, um, I think it's Jeremiah, the prophet the bear calls the bear out or whatever to attack the, the kids. Right. Well, King James translated that wrong. It's not youth. It's the word there is more of a juvenile delinquent. It's the same word that's being used and they'll be led by man, man children, men that didn't get out of mommy and daddy's basement. And that's a slap at the real men. Masculinity is a thing of Yahweh, but you have to understand masculinity is supposed to be great strength under tight control. You're not supposed to be an animal. All of these things we have to learn and we have to help teach each other. The body we're like, well, we're not our brother's keeper. Um, when uh, Cain said that, he was being facetious. He was being flippant. And who went back and read that story? What does Yah- What does Yahweh do with the answer? Yeah, you are your brother's keeper. And Paul makes that very clear in his apost- uh, apostolic letters. You know, he's telling us to lift each other up, to encourage each other, to watch each other, to correct each other, to guide each other, to teach each other. That's the body. <sighs> I guess for lack of a better way to put it, Charlie, start walking the walk.
2: Yes. And that's where it can seem overwhelming at first.
0: And, yes. you know. Have grace for those who might have mis- uh, m- mistaught you or whatever, because it may not necessarily be something they knew.
2: Right. That's Have true. grace. That's true. And uh, so, you know, we we need to. We need to have grace for ourselves, too. Because, you know, I mean, I've been in this walk for a few years now, and there's still things that I'm not quite sure what the right way to do things are and things like that. Um, But I'm trudging along the best I can. Um, And it can be overwhelming. and, And one of the things that, that I like to look at is how can we simplify things, because sometimes we can be overwhelmed. I mean, uh, if you if you acknowledge that the law is still there, and you evaluate it, you know, like the rabbis say that there's you know 613 commandments or whatever in the Tanakh, and uh, there's scholars that say there's over a thousand in the New Testament, and, and you look at that and that can be overwhelming you know how do i figure all these out now some of them probably are duplicates and things like that but you're talking you know a lot of a lot of things to understand and and try to comply with and such but uh that's one of the beautiful things about the bible and especially yeshua he boiled them down to two Mm -hmm. to love god the shema basically uh from Deuteronomy, I think it's six, uh, to love God with all your all your being, basically to summarize it, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, upon those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets,
0: meaning the whole. What does Tanakh. that
2: mean? It means the whole Tanakh, all the scriptures, hang upon those two things. And I mean, and you can use logic from that starting point, and you can deduce. All the other commandments from those two Uh, and so that kind of simplifies it in a way that you know if you're not sure of something hey you know can you look at it from these two perspectives and gives you a little bit of an idea of which way to go
0: if you've been with us any length of time on Wednesdays have you noticed that what we basically try to do is give you the tools you need to understand the scriptures for yourself We try to help you with the language, we try to help you with the symbology, we try to help you with the ancient cultural contexts, uh, things like Hebrew parallelism, Hebrew poetry, Um, we try to help you with the history that's lurking in the background behind your Bible and the customs and the traditions, but most of it is, what we're trying to do, and hopefully we succeed at least in some part, what we're trying to do is give you the tools to equip you To work this out for yourself. And that's part of what you're going to have to do if you're going to come out of mystery Babylon. And one of the things that are going to help is don't let it make you cynical. Don't let it make you jaded. This is a mental thing. Choose love, um, deference, be gentle, be humble, be teachable. Let it all humble you. Rather than let it make you harsher or ugly. Um, I think it was the poet Kelly or Shelley, one or the other. This is better a bloody hand than a hard heart. Or like the tortoise was telling us today, you know, attitude is a choice. Choose a good one. See, that's one of the things that we I know I don't I don't know. I can't speak for Charlie on this. I'll let him speak for himself. But one of the things the scriptures taught me is a great many things that I thought I was supposed to leave up to the Holy Spirit. What I've been taught is I'm supposed to choose and the Holy spirit will help me when I choose rightly and chastise me maybe, or whatever, if I'm choosing wrong, try to convict me on that. But it's not that the Holy spirit will suddenly make it, make you do right. He'll help you to do right. Does that make any sense, Charlie? Yes. And, and, and that's,
2: that's kind of the point, you know, sometimes we get to the point where we're, we're almost, um, I don't know, fixated or whatever. Where we we fear to make a choice, and that's not necessarily good either. Um, but if you if you are sincere, at least this is my belief and my experience, just personally. If you believe and you are sincere, and you make a choice, and perhaps that choice isn't the greatest choice. And you start moving in that direction. If you've been sincere about it, the Holy Spirit's going to whack you upside the head and say, okay, knucklehead, nope, that wasn't such a good idea. He
0: corrects his children.
2: Go back and try it again.
0: Oh, that's another thing. And then when
2: you are on the right trail, he will put breadcrumbs in your path that will reassure you, oh, yeah, okay, I am going the right way now.
0: you got to be looking. But you got to be looking for it those. It tends right to give directions. you one crumb at a
2: yeah, time. Yeah, it, it's not going to be a lot. It's going to be a, a little things here and there that kind of, okay, yep. All right. I see I'm going the right direction.
0: Sorry, I didn't mean to remember you earlier. No, no, just that's to, fine. One other thing, folks, that we've said this before, when you're starting to come out of Mystery Babylon, make sure you understand exactly what the scriptures say. Because a lot of times we'll insert a word or two or we'll change things. Like uh, the Charlie Brown's Christmas. You know, Linus and everything, and and folks, you know that we don't believe in Christmas here. We don't we don't celebrate it. We don't keep it. That's not the point. You go to how they they read the Bible story from Luke in that in that cartoon. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That is not what the Bible says. It says peace on earth to men of goodwill. Just like a lot of times people will say, "Well, we're all God's children." That is not what the Bible says. Those who obey the Lord are His children. This is something that we've got to be very careful with. Remember what Charles Spurgeon told us. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. Paul says even the Gentiles know that. Spurgeon tells us that discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right, which is what happened to Eve. Because Satan will never give you a straight-up lie. He'll give you 80% truth with that 20% twist. And it's that 20% that'll, that's the poison. That's where the poison is. So you have to know the word. There's no substitute. Just like yesterday when we were talking about the Constitution. If you want to know how to understand the Constitution, you've got to know what the Founding Fathers said about it, period. So at the very least, to understand the Constitution, I must read the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers, New and Old Testament of our documents. If you want to understand this faith what we walk, you must know your scriptures. Must. There's no substitute. One of the differences between today and ancient times, they would read, they don't do sermons and read one little verse and do a sermon on the verse. They do like we do in our congregation, chunks of the word every Sabbath. I mean chunks, chapters at a time. And they didn't read, and I don't know how the Peshach is it. it I never came Parashat. The, they would read more than just the Torah, Charlie. They also read the prophets and other things too. And they would get through the whole Tanakh every so many years. And I know that what was it once every year or once every seven years they read the entire Pentateuch all at once?
2: Yeah, yes, during during the Shemitah year. Yeah, the the whole congregation
0: would come out and listen to the first five books of the Bible
2: to read the entire uh, Torah, and
0: the people were supposed to gather and listen. So, in ancient times, it wasn't a preacher gave you a verse or two here and there out of context. The rabbis read the whole thing in context, big chunks at a time, sometimes an entire book in one day. We don't, we we don't know the word. We, as a body of believers. We are scripturally illiterate.
2: And that's another beautiful thing that you you can see it sometimes in the English, but it's very, very prevalent in the Hebrew. Because you have to understand that for the vast majority of time, the average shepherd or whatever, average working Joe, if you will, uh, was not literate. Mm-mm. And even if they were literate, they couldn't afford to have a copy of the Torah in their home.
1: And
0: at best, because, they have one book.
2: Because, I mean, you had to pay a scribe to actually copy a Torah and, and you know, invalidate it and make sure it was copied correctly and all that. Uh, that's one of the reasons why the scriptures say that King's responsibility was to Create a Torah for their themselves so that they would know what it said. Um, but if you look at the way the Bible is written, especially in the Hebrew, it is written in a manner that helps with memorization.
0: Lots of I mean, mnemonics.
2: there's there's a lot of mnemonics in there. There's a lot of repetition in different ways. Like uh, you know, we talk about the uh, uh, oh chiasms and bifids and things like that that we've discussed in previous shows those are methods to also even though they they are a literary tool they also help with memorization and understanding those concepts and i mean it's throughout the bible that's another kind of testament that the bible is it's the richest piece of
0: literature known to man
2: it's a literary marvel if you understand it from the depths of, of the uh,
0: the way it's written. There we go. We have no excuse not to read it. Yes, there you like Aaron it, Spike yeah, today, says. Today, oh my gosh! Get yes. the Bible on audio. Yes, and listen, read along if you can, but at least listen. And like he's saying, he listens to at least five chapters a day. Yeah, folks. When I was
2: working, I, yeah. I used to have the Bible going in the background. You know, as I was you know doing my job, you know, and. And listening, and boy, sometimes something would just come along, you know, and just catch Rabia. me. And I'd have to go back. And, oh, I got to rewind that. And it's
0: oh, because the scriptures you know. tell us that if you bury his word in your heart in other words, you have to art heart up here, brain, your mind, your conscious will you have to have read it and studied it and digested it. If you do that, when it's needed, he'll bring it forth. Right. He never says that I'll, I'll just magically poop it into your head. Boop! No, that's that's not promised in scripture.
2: Yeah, many people misinterpret that where it says in the in the Scripture is that, you know, the Holy Spirit will give you at the time you need it the words to speak. Well, they have to be in your you head can't already. They can give you those words if you ain't already read them and studied them.
0: Yeah, because what happened in that when they, when they were before the, like with Paul was on his trial, if you go back and you read that in the book of Acts, he's quoting a lot of Scripture. Peter quotes a lot of scripture when he's defending himself and in, in his uh, the faith and Pentateuch and all. And uh, Stephen, Stephen, when he's getting stoned, he's quoting scripture. Yeah. They're always quoting, and what are they quoting? The Tanakh. Yeah. So, folks, you've got to know your scriptures, old and New Testament. There's no old and new. There's one word of Yahweh. It's one book. So. Any questions on the board? If you guys have anything for us, please post it up there. Charlie, is there anything I'm missing on this? Because I'm not, folks. I I try. I don't know how to encourage. That's Charlie's job. Natasha's <laughs> better at it than I am. I, <sighs> well, we have to
2: we have to understand that this this is a walk. It's a journey, and. You know, especially as you're just coming in and, you know, um, going through, but at least the way I, I talk about it is uh, it was my faith crisis, you know. It's like, hold on a second. My, my whole world has been shaken here. And it's disconcerting for a while because, you know, I was in Mormonism for forty years, high up. Yeah, I mean, I and and I was I was devout. I mean, I you know I wasn't just a jack Mormon as they say in, in the church. You know, that's one that just kind of shows up and stuff. But I was active in my faith. I was walking it out, if you will. And it was it was a significant event when. I discovered, hold on a second, everything I thought was correct just came tumbling down. It's it's like, I could equate it to something that happened in the scriptures. Uh, Yeshua was walking with his disciples and they were walking outside the temple and they were saying, oh, Yeshua, look at this beautiful building. Look at all how ornate it is and how, how wonderful. Look at all the exquisite stonework and everything and and how magnificent this structure is and he turns to him and says "They ain't gonna be a stone left on top of each other it's gonna be raised to the ground
0: and for the jew the temple was everything
2: yes and that that's what happened to my faith it got raised to the ground i mean it it there was nothing left because everything pretty much that i believe i found out was lies worthless to Worthlessness and unprofitable things, as again the scriptures say.
0: But you had the faith so to stick with it. You I didn't had, walk away.
2: I had a rough time. I had to rebuild. I'm still, re- I'm still in that process. That, you know, and I don't even think I got the foundation quite uh fixed yet. You know, but I'm, I'm working on it. And as I'm doing it, I'm doing it a lot more carefully, because as I take a principle or a doctrine. I'm taking that thing and I'm, I'm putting that rock up there, that stone to put in my foundation, and I'm examining it from as many angles as I can to make sure that this is a good stone and that it's cut properly and that it's going to fit where it needs to go properly into that foundation before I stick it in there and then you know move on. And that's what we've got to do. And that takes time. And we've got to be patient with ourselves patient with Yahweh patient with our family members because they might build at a slower pace you know you're 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 a trained construction guy I'm I'm a computer guy I don't know how to do this stuff so it it takes me a while longer to put these bricks together because I don't know what I'm doing you
0: know (laughs) one of the things that I am good at that I wish I could impart to others. Don't ever be afraid to, if you value truth, capital T truth, you know, Yeshua's truth, Yahweh's truth. Don't be, once you know, somebody shows you, okay, you were mistaken, here's the way to look. Once you know that you've had a wrong idea, don't be afraid to toss it. Yes. It's not going to destroy your world. Don't go judging, well, that guy taught me wrong, or that girl taught me, or, or I've been, who cares? Just toss it and keep going. I wish I could help others learn that one. Just toss it, man. Don't cling to it. Just it's It's gone. It's no big deal. It, don't be afraid to admit that I was wrong. It doesn't mean anything about you. In fact, if you can admit you were wrong and move from what you now know to be incorrect to what you now believe is better, more correct, that says more about you right there than clinging to what you used to believe. Yes. So... Choose your values and walk it and just, it'll be all right, man. Be fearless with that. Cling to the truth because understand capital T truth is connected to the Messiah.
2: So, right. And, that, and that's what you got to do. You got to.
0: And I know it's, it's, to a lot of people, it's words. Give it a try. Just give it a try. I know it's scary. Just give it a try. Like they used to tell us. They can kill you, but they can't eat you. That's against the rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke, man. It's just, it's meant to desensitize you to your worries. Don't do that. Um, we know somebody, Charlie and I know somebody who has a lot of anxiety issues. So do you know how we treat that person? We don't walk around that person with, with little baby pitter-petter feet we're not as hard on them as we would be with each other. Cause you know, we're guys we're raised different, but this person anxiety issues and female, and we still pick on her a little bit gently. Mm-hmm. And over the time it's getting a little rougher. It's getting a little, and I don't know whether or not she realizes it, but she's toughened up. She's toughened up it, it, because we're just teaching her. Let it go. It's not going to keep nothing. Nothing's going to happen. The world's not going to end. It's going to be okay. It's going to work out. He's got you. He's got trust that he's got you. As long as you're seeking him, his way, his son, he's got you. The question is, is that what you're really seeking? Only you and your mirror can answer that.
2: And that's um, that's the important part, I think, is we have to work on our relationship with Yahweh and Yeshua and Israel. The the way yes. Yes, Israel, we have to struggle with with God. And if we're doing that sincerely, then that's what's going to help us as we walk along this path. Because, you know, we we, we talk about the Torah, and, and, you know, in the New Testament, it's usually referred to as the law. I don't like that word quite as well.
0: Yeah, that's why we don't always use it. <laughs> but
2: <clears throat> it is that way. And we, I think we, we've talked about this before too, but I like to look at it this way because I think it fits. Because if we are building that relationship with Yahweh, then the Torah is simply Yahweh's instructions for us. It's his. It's his advice, you know. I I have children and they're all the time calling daddy for advice and, Oh dad, Hey, this happened. What do I do? You know? And, you know, so I'll tell them and, you know, sometimes they listen to me, sometimes they don't, but but that's the way we are with the, with Yahweh as well. We're Um, in
0: detention. Sometimes we do. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But, uh, but if we are sincere and we're doing this and we're trying to follow his advice, the the Bible, what it's taught there, then we're okay. Even if we screw it up, because you know, when you're teaching your child how to walk, uh, do you yell at them when they fall down? No, no, you keep encouraging them until they get it and they're walking and then they're running and, and everything like that. And that's the relationship that we need to have with Yahweh and with the Torah. Now, if you're rebellious and you're like, I ain't going to listen to Dad. He don't know nothing. He's he's just
0: foo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> then if you look at the Bible, again, this is another testament to me about why I... Hold the Bible to be true. The Bible is a legal document. Very precise legal document. I mean, written by lawyers.
0: The best lawyer.
2: Yes, the best lawyer. And so if you rebel and are not following dad's advice and counsel, then it does become law and the penalties are affixed to that.
0: Yeah, and then and, in that case, we find out our father is also the judge. Yes, and then the lawyer yeah. is his son.
2: Right. So, yeah. uh, those relationships are important, and, and that I think is probably the key thing that we need to keep in our our mind and keep evaluating as we look in the mirror: is are we being sincere in seeking out Yahweh and following what He's asking us to do? If we're doing that, then you're you're on the right path.
0: Oh, you just segued into
2: my. But if you're being rebellious and saying yeah. I ain't gonna follow that, that's you know, then you better start examining real hard where you're at in your life.
0: Perfect segue to what I had just written down. This is where I my strength is. Once you understand you're in Mystery of Babylon, don't you stay there. Don't you stay there. Oh, right. Get out! Once you understand that you're stuck in an apostate church, get out. I understand, but this is a case of once you've become aware of it, if necessary, gnaw your hand off to get out of that trap. And I don't necessarily mean literally. You you know you can walk away. Don't allow friends and family. And I know folks who know better. Know better. And they went back into the apostate church because of a spouse. And he's the, the man, the husband knows better. And he went back because of the spouse to keep peace in the family. There's going to be a price to be paid for him for that. I'm not I I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, he's not going to make it into heaven. That I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going there. But what I am saying is he knows he knows better. There will be a lash for that. Scripture tells you you might be saved, but you could still end up losing losing the gems from your crown. You're, you're going to be lashed. I don't know what that means. It's probably a figurative speech, but it, it just could be embarrassment before all other believers. I don't know. But I do know that there will be a price to be paid for it. So once you know that you are in Mystery Babylon, get out kind of like the Eddie Murphy skit talking about, you know, the Amityville horror, man, look, we got this great house, great this, great that house says, get out. So too bad we can't stay. Once you know you're in mystery Babylon, you got to go. By hook or by crook, get out. Even if you end up all by your little old lonesome with no church home, he'll, he'll lead you where you need to be. Yeah, he will. So, um.
2: And you, you got to be careful too, <clears throat> because, I've experienced this as, as, you know, coming out and and I've seen others struggle with this. Uh, As you discover that you've been taught wrong. That's a good way to put it. um, I'll put it a little more harshly, lied to. Deceived. Deceived. um, It can really make you jaded, too. And it can cause you to go too far in the other direction and just totally, you know, say, which is why
0: I said you got to stay humble, let it humble you
2: say to heck with God and everything. I'm not I'm done with all this religion stuff, you know, I'm just going to throw it all away. Um, Yeah, that's dangerous, too. Uh, Because going back to where we were talking at the beginning of the show, you've got to have that anchor, that grounding holds you to something greater than
0: yourself. Hey, Charlie. Yes. If you realize you're in mystery Babylon and you come out of it, you shouldn't turn away from God because the scripture tells you who was it that opened your eyes to that truth. It was him. True. Which means he wants you. True. Yes. So. See, it's an affirmation.
2: It is. Yes. So that's, that's something to think about. That's his love in your life. Yeah. And sometimes it's, Sometimes when you're going through things, you know, you, you you don't you don't realize it until later on that the difficulties and things that you were going through were actually good for you. Blessings and blessings. You know, and and, and a lot of times we we as humans So again, if we know, book, that, we know the anchor
0: book, we know that his ways are not ours.
2: Right, right. So
0: we have to accept that we just need to trust him.
2: Right. So that's something we have to keep in mind as we're making this path.
0: And I don't mean to be interrupting Charlie. I'm just, no, the words are coming it, from the scriptures. Exactly, I'm paraphrasing it, yes, them, but yes. Charlie recognizes them. I bet you many of you do too. That's because they're there. They're in my head. So that when Charlie says something that the scriptures can encourage you, I just got to, he can keep going. He's gotten used to my ignorant, yeah. rude little butt. That's okay. <laughs> all right.
2: That, that that that's that's how the Holy Spirit works, isn't it? Yes. You know, giving you those words when, you know, you've studied these things and then they come out like that. Uh you know, it, well, Poof. you know, we talk about founding fathers here. Mm-hmm. Did they not do that in their writings uh, in the Federalist Papers and all that mm-hmm. in supporting and defending the Constitution?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it was riddled with scriptures i mean they they may not have quoted them exactly but they paraphrased him but she knew exactly where they were coming from because they were grounded by that and that's what created this wonderful country that
0: we had oh talk um, about the scriptures just coming to mind every the historians will tell you that george washington wasn't a christian because he never cites the bible <laughs> but the historians reading his letters Don't realize he, George Washington was not in the habit of saying, well, in chapter and verse of this, you know, whatever of the Bible and then citing, he just cited it. Now, why do you think Washington would just quote the Bible without telling you what chapter and verse it was in? Because he expected you to know it. So the historians who don't read their Bible and don't know their Bible don't realize that about every fourth or fifth verse in his letters, Washington's letter, he's citing the Bible. But if you've read the Bible, you can't read one of Washington's personal letters and not see the not Bible in it. it. Yeah. So that's a, that's a disciple in the way that Yeshua wouldn't want him to be, not only following it and living it, but preaching it as he goes right in his daily life. So, yeah, there you go. But it's got to be in you. I'm talked out, Charlie.
2: Yeah, I just about am, too, I think. I mean... But that, that's the thing. You, you've got to feed it uh, by reading in the scriptures. and
1: <clears throat> Have faith, what folks. What we've been Have doing, uh,
2: my wife and I, for the past little over a year now, we just started again. Um, we've got a little book that breaks up the, the scriptures. It, it follows the parashat uh, as well. But
0: Explain real quick what the parashat is. So the, that-
2: the parashat, each... Each week in uh, Shabbat, this is a, a Jewish custom and tradition that's House of been around for a long time. Um, they read a section of the Torah every Shabbat, every every Sabbath, and um, they also read some from the writings and uh, the prophets. And then a uh, we we do a portion from the the New Testament.
0: The writings being the history books and right the right yes. proverbs and stuff.
2: Yes. Um, and so throughout the year, uh, we read the entire, uh, um, we read the first five books. yeah, Yeah. The Pentateuch. uh, the entire thing is read, uh, throughout the year in our services. And I mean, and this is, you know, yeah, it makes our services different than anything you'd see in a lot of places. Uh, because it probably takes a good 15, 20 minutes to go through the, the parashat each week. Um, but the 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 little thing that we follow does that throughout the week. It breaks up the parashat into seven um, seven sections. And then it also brings in the other writings that aren't included in, in the parashat so that by the time you... Uh, Read through this year. Uh, you've read the entire Tanakh, and the the way this is set up, if you read all the readings, uh, you actually read the New Testament twice. <clears throat> and so that's been a blessing to us, uh, you know, because just reading the the scriptures every evening, you know it it uh, it just helps. I Something mean, about what we what our
0: eyes gaze on, our heart becomes. Yeah. Yes. And in the scriptural, that means our mind will dwell on it. That's Our mind focuses on that. Not your heart, not your feelings, but your mind will. So what, your eyes gaze upon? So if it's on the word, the word will be in your head rather than things that you shouldn't be. So if you're going to feed it scripture, it'll be easier to walk the walk. But if you're going to feed it the world, uh, and folks, if you choose the TV and the cell phone over the scriptures, that's a choice. And I realized on my way to the studio today that that's one of the things i got to work on because that's my fault.
2: Yep, and Psalm 1 says that you should uh, meditate upon the, the Torah uh, day and night. Mm-hmm. Yomam Valila. day and night.
0: <laughs> All right, well, That's a good place for us to wrap this one up today, yes. Charlie. All right. Well, Charlie, you'll get ready to do Charlie stuff, and I will tell you we love you. We do. We try to show it, all of this, every day, whether it's Wednesday or not. Hopefully, it shows. We thank you for being here, studying with us. Um, We pay attention to you. I know I have some emails I have to answer. As soon as I have reliable internet back and I can get to my emails at home, I will answer them. If I do not have it by Friday, I'll come into the studio early, early, and I'll answer you then. I'm not going to leave you waiting. If you are out and about in this cold today, stay safe. Take care of yourself, especially if you're in the south where people aren't used to it. Watch for ice. Um, I was raised up north. A lot of y'all don't down here in the south. Black ice. If you see something on the road that just kind of looks wet, and it's under 30 degrees, 32 degrees out there, be careful with that. It could be ice. It might not be water, and it's called black ice because you won't. It, it just looks like a like the rain. You know, when, when we've had a rain here in the South and the asphalt's starting to dry, you just kind of got like a little smaller, darker spot on it. It won't necessarily be glossy. Be careful of that. That's why it's called black ice. That stuff can wreck you in a heartbeat. Uh, so be careful, especially since most of us don't know how to drive. If your car starts to slide. Um, I was raised in a different world. At least I know how to handle that. Not everybody does. Just, Just watch it. Please be careful. Uh, take care of your pipes, your animals you know, precautions, good time to do some research if necessary. Take care of you. If you're out and about in the weather, um, this type of cold will get you faster than the heat. Um, the cold is more dangerous than the heat and you can dehydrate in it. So you just, y'all just be careful because down in the South, we're not used to this up North. You deal with this every winter. You, You know what to do. You were raised in it. So you just, you, you know, down here, in this part of the world, we're not used to the weather that gets into the 20s. It's a problem. It can be dangerous here. So y'all watch out for that. Take care of each other. Um, if we're doing anything here that you like, at the very least, please give us the thumbs up and the buttons. You know, tell Charlie. That's here on this show. The thumbs up and the up buttons and all. I don't care what the world thinks about those. Those talk to Charlie and Natasha That's a bit of a reward telling them that you appreciate the work they do to help me put on a better program because they, they are largely responsible for keeping up with your chat live on the show. And if you, I don't know if you've noticed, if you do a lot of these type of shows, if you watch a lot of them, we are much better at keeping up on your comments live on the air than anybody else. That's thanks to Charlie and Natasha. And nobody's getting paid here, folks. This is a labor of love, um, love and dedication. We're not bragging on it, just letting you know you need to know it. So if you do like what we're doing, please share it. Uh, we'd prefer that you share it directly with whoever. Send a link. Take the link of a show that you liked and send it to whoever. Ask them to watch it. Tell them that show builds on itself. A lot of times you need two or three or four or five. If you've been with us for weeks and months, you start seeing some of the stuff that at first, if all you do is one show, you might think we're kooks. If you've seen months of the shows, you realize, oh crap, they're not crazy you just got a lot of stuff you have to learn before you start seeing it. In other words, you got to get back far enough away from the picture to see the whole picture rather than just the trees. We help you see both. Um, if you do send somebody to the show, whatever you decide, you know who it is you're talking to. Whatever it is you need to tell them about me, that's okay. I understand. You're not going to hurt my feelings. And I know we joke about it. But I've heard my entire life from people, it takes a while to get used to me. And a lot of people never do. I get that. I've been told, study on being better, Joe. I got a little, I got a little secret to share with you. This is better. Ask Ann. <laughs> <laughs> she knew me all the way back into junior high school. What you see now is better. <laughs> you've got a classmate yes
1: bless her little heart
0: (laughs) you're not supposed to be cursing your classmate no no i mean it sincerely this time okay (laughs) you also have a classmate here when i've made the joke from time to time that i can sling yeah she's marianne says yes it is (laughs) big capital yes i've made the joke that i can sling 15 adjectives together and make a coherent sentence you do have one classmate that listens, mostly on the podcast, but he's been on the receiving end of one of those tirades before, <laughs> so he, he can give a witness to that as well. So I, I'm not meaning to brag about it. I'm just telling you, it's my way of laughing knowing that I am a broken cookie. I get it. I understand. So tell people whatever you need to about me. It, it's not about me here. No, it's about all of y'all in the classroom. That's another thing I like here. I've seen on other shows where the where the the chat they go at each other. We don't have too much of that here. This is a community. this is a family. It, we're becoming exactly what I always wanted y'all to be. We put forth as a class, a study in together. it works it's it's just a device. But ultimately it's all about people. I like the fact that y'all are. You get to know each other, you talk to each other, you help each other, you answer questions. You don't get on to each other in our our discussions. That means a lot to me. That means we may always be small, but we'll be good. We'll be tight. We'll be fruitful. And that's all that matters to me, really. So hopefully, something we did helped out. Yep, we're a cult of mixed nuts. Yes, Clay. Hopefully something we do today helped you and blessed you. Tomorrow we've got a bit of a conspiracy theory. It's a bit of a scary one. I think it's a conspiracy. I don't think it's a theory anymore. Dealing with lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And you'll see when you tune in tomorrow what I'm talking about. Friday, logic, natural law, founding fathers. And we're going to talk about the police department a little bit. Uh, We'll get Jimmy Zinker back in on the phone, I'm pretty sure, because he talked to me yesterday, and uh, we might even uh, solicit a call from Aaron in the process. But we'll be talking in terms of natural law and the law, the constitutional law, and police, law enforcement. So we've got the next two days, we've we've got some good things for you. Until then, y'all stay safe, stay warm, take care of yourselves. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.